0: Christy Kay, welcome to Business Life After Hours, a podcast that takes a deep dive into real life topics at the intersection of business and life. After the workday ends, that's where we pick up. Our topic on this Business Life After Hours podcast is building cooking confidence with America's Test Kitchen. This podcast episode is for anyone who desires more confident cooking skills, who'd like to gain greater intelligence on all things in the kitchen, and hear from the experts who dive deep to bring us more. Are you waving the kitchen SOS flag? Wow, do we have answers for you from the kitchen gurus. My guests are hosts from the most watched PBS TV cooking show, America's Test Kitchen. Bridget Lancaster and Julia Collin-Davidson are in the house. They've spent years showing us how it's done in the kitchen and building our knowledge on everything we never knew but should have known. From the deliciousness of our food to our pans and our coffee. You name it, they are the chefs, they are gurus, and they are here on Business Life After Hours. Welcome, Bridget, and welcome, Julia.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank Excited you. Year.
0: So thrilled you're here to share some kitchen knowledge with all of us. So as your website <laughs> says, you help curious cooks become confident cooks. So the two of you as hosts, you lead test cooks to present foolproof recipes. You share the, res- the results of the recipes and equipment reviews. You do taste tests. It's so awesome. So collectively, how long have the two of you been doing this cooking business thing Oh, but
2: Bridget and I have been together on TV for over 20, 23 years now. I think we're going on. Yes. And we've been working and knowing each other for
1: a thousand years. There was (laughs) fire was discovered and then we started cooking, (laughs) I think is what it was. Yeah. No, 98, 99 is when we first met each other at work Um, and we rose up through the ranks together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're instant friends. So uh, I
0: would have figured that, knowing the two of you and your personalities, I could see how you just clicked right away, Fast <laughs> yep. friends. Definitely, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. So much fun. So television cooking shows in general, especially on PBS, they're, they're popular and they're competitive. So what is it with America's Test Kitchen that resonates so much with the huge audiences that you have? And I know we've talked off of the microphone about people resonating with you. As soon as they see you or they hear your voice, they recognize you. Yep. So what is it, do you think, that is the most
1: Sort of compelling for the audience well i think one of the things is that we offer recipes that work and they can have the confidence that if they're going to spend their time they're going to spend their money making something um, that they can be assured that it's going to work mm-hmm. and i think we probably connect with a lot of people Because we've been there with them for some special times in their lives, you know, baptisms, holidays, weddings, uh, reunions. People will reach out to Julia and I or they'll stop us on the street and they'll say, oh, you were with me uh, when I tried to cook something for my first date with, you know, Mm. know, the woman who's now my wife. So it's really special for us, too. Um, but I think there's a connection with our audience.
2: Yeah. I also think there's just not a lot of fluff on our shows. <laughs> it is hardcore information. It's presented in a really straightforward manner. Um, the, the sort of the camaraderie we have is just natural. It just comes out of hanging out with each other. It's not forced. It's not scripted. And it's the star of the show is the food. It always has been. That's been our mantra since day one. Let's show the food and let's not only show you how it works, but explain why it works mm-hmm. so that you can watch us make it, but then you'll know how to make it at home and why why it works better than the way you were doing it before or what have you. Um, I think it's the lack of fluff and all the extra information we've had in that makes it feel like you know us and it makes it popular. It's so true.
1: I will say that we do like marshmallow fluff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the one fluff that we will put on the Some show. fluff yeah. is incorporated. Of course. and <laughs> yes, necessary.
0: But I, that's my cup of tea, by the way, is just like cut to the chase. Give me the facts. And as we've said, too, it's like you offer th- – knowledge and information that we didn't even know we needed. And then you gave it to me, and I'm like, wow, how did I not ever think that I needed to know that? But I absolutely do, right? Well,
2: I think that happens when you cook at home, right? You make a dish and you think, uh, next time I'm going to change a little something. And then you make it, and every time you change it, make it a little better and a little better, or they don't have the ingredient brand you usually use, so you substitute and it's better or worse. I mean, that's our recipe development process in a nutshell, except it's much more scripted, and we know what the variable is. So we'll cook a recipe 30 to 15 times, 30 to 50 times, and we'll cook three batches, four or five batches at the same time, changing one variable. So you can see what the effect of that variable is on the food, and that's how you learn why a recipe works or doesn't work. Wow.
1: Yeah. So it, like start to finish on a recipe like that. Mm-hmm. How long does, does it take you? A couple months. A couple months. Two months. Yeah. Wow. Two months on a good good day. There wow. have been recipes that we've had to delay publishing the recipe, either in the cookbooks or the magazines, because they're a little problematic. And <laughs> those, those might continue another another month or another two months after that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yes. Especially if it's seasonal items and yeah. things like that.
0: Yep. So Julia, what is your first memory of cooking? Oh, um,
1: it is making
0: a loaf
2: of bread. It was we weren't allowed to have white bread in the house, but you, if I made it, I could eat it because my mother was whole grains only, only whole wheat, dark pumpernickel German breads. And um, my mother was sick in bed with a fever. My brother was off at camp. My father was at work, and I was bored. And I was six. I could read six, seven, eight, and we had all the ingredients. And so I, my mother said, I popped up into her bedroom every once in a while to ask her where something was or what this meant in the cookbook and it was a Julia Child cookbook who was also known for testing her recipes uh, and she said hours later I came up with white bread. Now I don't know if it was the bread that Julia Child had intended but it was edible and I was happy <laughs> I was, was eating edible. white bread and I would made it myself and that was a very clear uh, indication that I was, what I was going to do because I, at first I loved to eat. And if you love to eat, that naturally
0: leads you to love to cook. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And then, Bridget, who was your inspiration when you started cooking?
1: Um, I... I'd say I have three inspirations. My mom was a great cook, so she showed me the way. Uh, my grandfather was a great baker. He really took an, an interest in German and Austrian pastries, taught me a lot on the pastry side of it. And then Julia Child, I, I have to say, she was she was on my TV in the background, like in between This Old House and Yankee Workshop. It was you know, Julia Child was there showing us not only how to cook, but that making mistakes can also kind of be fun. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. those were the best times and then of course Dan Aykroyd as Julia Child (laughs) (laughs) who can forget right (laughs)
0: that's great I love that so Julia what's the best part of your job eating (laughs) eating
2: I mean I as I mentioned earlier I love to eat I'm not kidding I love eating random things for breakfast I show up the test kitchen it's not unusual that you're having lamb stew lamb chops Fried chicken. I mean, really unusual things for breakfast, and I love it. Um, I um, and I love all the different flavors. I just it carries me through, and I love them thinking about how to make that accessible to someone who's never cooked it, never had it, lives in a different part of the country. I want them to taste this. Mm. How do we make it so they can taste this? Because I want them to taste this.
0: It's like you consider everything a challenge. Like How do I get this to happen?
2: How do I get this in front of somebody else that they can make it?
0: Yes. And that's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. How about you, Bridget? What's a favorite part of your job on a daily basis?
1: I think it's hanging out with a collection of people that are so interested in food, like myself. I mean, how many people can be in a room and geek out about fish sauce. Yes, I mean mm-hmm. that's an odd group of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or uh, geek out about barbecue sauce, or you know, talk for hours about the difference between North Carolina, Western North Carolina, and Eastern North Carolina mm-hmm. barbecue sauces. These are my people. These are my <laughs> tribe, and I'm really, really just happy to be able to talk food all the time.
0: You know, I really thought you were going to answer with cheese. <laughs> what, you haven't asked me, you know, what I eat 24 seven. yet. <laughs> so as we talk on business life after hours, here we are after the work day, talk to us about when you're winding down from the day. You said it wind winding down. Yeah. You you nailed it. Getting that uh, (laughs) that message here. So what does it look like? So do you when you're done, I'm sure your days are long. You have so much production. You have so many things in the test kitchen going on. What does that look like for you both?
1: Well, winding down for me, depending on if my son has some sort of football practice or basketball practice, you know, that depends on if my winding down happens at 6 or happens at 1030 at Mm. night. Uh, But winding down for me is um, putting some sort of meal on the table. Sometimes it's very hurried, but I try to have uh, what I call butts and seats at the table. I want (laughs) us to all look at each other as we're eating. You must have that. um and uh maybe prepare some food maybe prepare some food for the next day too while i'm at it so i do a lot of might as well cooking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so while i am cooking say a a pork tenderloin in the oven roasting that i'll be roasting some chicken legs too so that might be tomorrow's meal today um and i think the other thing is uh i like a nice big glass of beer oh yeah yeah i'm a beer girl Go I like to, to make beer. beer. Oh, yeah, I like to make beer. My husband of and I have made beer for close to 30 years now. Uh, we have a five keg keyser in our basement, which mm-hmm. makes me sound really sad, but we're very popular. She loves going to do laundry. <laughs> in yes, the basement. yes, it's right next to the washer dryer. <laughs> do your
0: teenagers ever kind of disappear downstairs for a minute? We have locks on our, <laughs> on our taps, yes. But I love it. You said
2: one of them is root beer yes so one of the five yes yes
1: we have a nitro tap so one of them will always be something like a stout uh and then one of them is a cream might be a cream soda or definitely root beer root beer is a big favorite very nice
0: now what about Hmm. you julia uh
2: it's a combination of some sort of exercise Uh, i like stretching and exercise in the morning but in the in the evening, I'm I, sorry. I play pickleball, oh, and yes. don't get me started about pickleball. Yes, I, don't get her started about uh, pickleball. There's two things I can wax on about. One is roast chicken, and the other is pickleball. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty lousy at pickleball, which makes me want to talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love so. My husband and I play pickleball with friends or family, um, just moving around, getting outside and I have a 14-year-old daughter, and so hanging out with her, and I mentioned the wine. Um, I love wine. I worked in wineries in Napa. I was what they called a cellar rat, which is a really not nice term for people who work in wine cellars. And so uh, we crushed grapes, we, uh, we fermented the wines, and I was in, uh, did a lot of that, and champagnes. And it's just, I love opening a bottle of wine and smelling it and having that first sip or two. It just, it, for me, it is a reset uh, into, the evening's gonna be fun. I'm gonna enjoy the family, I'm gonna get outside and play a little pickleball. And uh, yeah, that's my reset.
0: I love that. America's next test sport. I <laughs> do something on pickleball. Yes, that's right.
2: <laughs> well, it's got pickle in the name and yes. if you've ever played it, there's a part of the court called the kitchen. Oh, no. Yes, it's right around the net uh, when you volley. Um, And so a volley isn't called a volley in pickleball. It's called, I can't believe they named it this, they called it a dink. And so... Um, on Fridays, we have what's called Dinks and Drinks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's perfect. I, can, yeah. I really can see some diversification here. Yep. Some, some more branding opportunities. <laughs> branching for, out here. Yep. Branching yep. out. Well, America's Test Kitchen is an instructional cooking show. It offers great advice, techniques for cooking tips. But first of all, you're both incredible teachers as well with great style in your instruction. So on top of that, though, you are both editorial, executive editorial directors so what that means is you're setting kind of that tone, picking the topics for the viewers mm-hmm. and the readers and I'm wondering how on earth do you prioritize the topics that you <laughs> that you cover? The recipes, the the products. How do you even begin to make that list and then cover those?
1: Yeah, the lineups take a good three four months before mm-hmm. we even get started on pre-production and really mapping out the recipes uh, but the lineups are based on what people want to see from us and also uh, what has been recently published in the cookbooks and the two magazines depending on the the two TV shows and we also take into consideration the holidays or any kind of seasonality um, and uh, uh, regional shows we do a lot of regional shows for cooks country so we'll start off with a um on the road segment where we visited a barbecue place or a a, a roast chicken place maybe mm, if only uh, if only <laughs> yes joyous pickleball roast chicken oh, shack wow oh, why did i yeah. never think of that before oh. pickle chicken <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um, it's coming together right here <laughs> but, but all of these and we work with the um, the um Editor in chiefs of the different magazines too mm-hmm. to make sure see what they're really invested in and really interested in because if you can get people that are so super excited about presenting their own food on television that just makes it easier for us
2: yeah mm-hmm. and we really think about the different types of cooking we make sure there's we call them Tuesday night suppers it's a supper that you need to get on the table when everyone's got stuff going on it needs to be healthy it needs to be quick it needs to be accessible it needs to please a wide variety of palates you have to have a number of those some. Uh, Then we call uh, bigger recipes, we call internally project pieces. And it might be something you have wanted to tackle, like making homemade croissants or a baked Alaska. It might be something you'll never make, like croissants or baked Alaska, but you want to see how it's done right and watch us make it. Mm -hmm. So you slot a few of those in there. You think about holidays and what um, people issues people have with holidays, whether it's timing, whether it's shopping, whether it's
0: prep ahead. Um, And so we make sure we fill all those gaps. When you talk about being moms of teenagers, what, after a busy day, do you put on the table for those teenagers? What is your go-to, kind of a quick... Yet healthy mm. meal that you can say, okay, this is my tried and true. This is one that like never fails. The kids love it. It's easy, but it's healthy. What what do you, what do you think, Rachel? Well, Might I of suggest Bridget? a cheese board? <laughs> a cheese board. You always, Bridget's in love
1: with cheese and her cheese. middle name oh. is cheese. It's Bridget yeah. Cheese Lancaster. Yes, yes. Well, maybe maybe I'll change it to that. Maybe I'll change it to Gouda or something. Um, I do, as I mentioned before, I do a lot of might as well cooking. So, and we also will have cook days where we make sure to keep protein. Mm-hmm. cooked and ready in the fridge. Yeah, and maybe same lightly sauteed vegetables is there uh, as well. And then you can easily make a wrap, a sandwich, something like that, mm-hmm. a salad, um, and take it on the go or you know, eat it quickly at home.
2: Yeah, we make a big bowl of uh, tuna salad, uh, which the whole family loves. And we poach chicken, bone and chicken breasts. Sounds boring, but if they're poached and cooked, you can make anything out of that in a heartbeat. Or if you're really on the run, Dice it up, throw it in a bag, and take it in the car. Yeah. And if you have that, I do crudité. Um, crudité, I love crudité dinners. I call them cold dinner. But everyone gets vegetables. Maybe you'll pull out the poached chicken, maybe some cheese. Oh. I was to crudité is the vegetables of the cheese board. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my go to. Everyone loves crudité.
0: So we've talked a little bit, to uh, off the microphone here about something that is near and dear to my heart, the issue of food allergies and mm. severe food allergies. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to address that just because I know millions of Americans are affected by it, whether it's, you know, peanuts, tree nuts, sesame eggs, dairy. Um, I am sure through the years that you've been involved in cooking that this has certainly become more of an issue as those numbers continue to increase. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted your job, your cooking, your recipes in terms of addressing some of those needs that impact so many Americans?
1: Well, I think one of the things is people feel more comfortable letting us know about it. And I think food allergies have always been there. And people have just kind of sat in silence and Mm -hmm. said, no, thank you. I can't have that for one reason or another. So now we're hearing about it, which is great, because it allows us to make more informed choices as we do testing. Mm -hmm. And because we've been around for a few years now, we're able to go back to our recipes and maybe modify them or change them to work with things like coconut uh, milk instead of cow milk or dairy, uh, to work with coconut fat instead of, or coconut oil instead of butter, um, to make vegan choices, to make uh, We have a diabetic cookbook. We have all these different um, avenues now in the book department, which Julia is near and dear too she had that up for a while they're really able to take these deep dives into more single subject uh, items like that
2: yeah I think the focus on the nutritional values and allergies of food is now a topic that people talk about all the time and before I think it was not talked about as openly and so before our recipes never had a nutritional analysis now every recipe does and before we never would offer gluten-free or dairy-free options now we do mm-hmm. for many of our recipes not all but we're getting there um so I think it is part of like the culture that it's okay to talk about it and let's let's get this out there and yeah
0: I love that I love that so much because I know people who don't have food allergies don't recognize the severity of it so this is Mm -hmm. great I love that you're addressing those 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 needs so what is one of the most unusual dishes that you've ever prepared or tested that comes to mind something that you would have been like that would never be on my list i can't believe i'm making this right now <laughs> oh
2: there's one dish i mean it sounds lovely but it sounds really too hard and i make it all the time it's grilled paella so it's it's not that hard and um it's, it's accessible, it's easy, and it is delicious. Mm. And it, we did it on TV, and I remember when I saw the recipe, I thought this is going to be a project piece. It's not. And what's more impressive is that it brings the house down every time I make it. So if you want to look like a rock star and you have people coming over, um, you prep everything, you set it by the grill, and then you're looking like you have you know no care in the world as you put together this fabulous meal. <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I think a couple um, – food items from this past season uh, comes to mind one is um oh now they're the bouche de noel or the 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 yule log cake and it comes with mini uh, mini meringue mushrooms and it comes with chocolate dirt i'm doing the air quotes (laughs) here um it has a, a hazelnut filling and a chocolate cake and frosting it's absolutely beautiful mm. and then the other one is beef wellington oh that's just kind a of good a recipe. meat bouche de noel oh. right when you think about it <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to put it and there's and- so
2: many bad recipes for wellington out yes. there this one is incredible bulletproof yeah it absolutely, really is yeah i remember i made it for my husband and it, it was the one thing it doesn't have in it is pate and he you know he's a, he's a, he how could it not have pate i mean he really wanted to stick to it and then he ate it because it has prosciutto instead of pate he looked at me he said you know this is better uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yeah so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so do your husbands cook yes yes my husband's a chef
0: Yes, my so. husband was a chef yeah. competition <laughs> no in the household no he no. can cook anytime he wants <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I
2: actually about- met my husband at America's Test Kitchen he was hired on season two so when you're in front of the camera uh, you don't Film everything. You know, if, if something has to cook for 10 minutes, you have what's called a twin come out. So it's that food cooked to the next stage because everything's so expensive the lighting, the camera crew. And so you have all these pots in the background of the that recipe cooked to different levels. You need a lot of people
0: to make all that background. So food. that's the people walking around Those are the on the, the show. Yes, They're actually doing stuff. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so
2: in season two, um, with everyone that worked there was on camera. There was a tiny staff, so they had to hire people. And I think it was Bridget that was cooking roast turkey with giblet gravy. Oh my goodness! And <laughs> there's a the flashback. Yeah, and we hadn't figured all this out yet—the filming, the nuances of how to put <laughs> it together—and so there was no giblets in house; they'd all been used, except for giblets in a frozen a f- solid f- turkey. And so we stopped. We stopped filming. Cameras went down while this dude hacked through a solid frozen turkey to get oh. the giblets. And he broke a cleaver. And he laughed and he grabbed another knife. And I said, "Who is that dude?" <laughs> and
1: we were oh, dating. Men, really. <laughs> yeah. that's, yep. first date. So that's my guy.
0: That's your guy. I love that. That's I met my stuff. husband at a bar. <laughs> so I've got nothing.
1: Was <laughs> he <it> drinking beer? <laughs> yes, and we had cheese together, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I believe it might
0: have been queso. <laughs> That's great. America's mm-hmm. Test Kitchen is a TV show with so much brand growth through the years. There's TV an additional TV show, podcast, cookbooks, apps, magazines, recipe development, online cooking classes, all of these things you're doing, all associated with America's Test Kitchen. I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do what you do. But is there a particular part of that that is really your favorite part, that you just say, I want more of that, give me more of that particular um role within this job
1: well i mean cook's country is always near and dear to me i head up the recipe development for that for for many years and i love that it was the magazine that really started to take a regional approach to american cooking and really highlight maybe the lesser told stories uh, about people that make the food that we eat um and it's just been a real pleasure to see cook's country evolve over the years as well um and offer people um Quick recipes and value for their food, um, and I think I think that that part of our company is probably going to grow. Uh, you know, thinking about today's economy, um, people are looking value in their food, and mm-hmm. that is a great place to look. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I love TV. I love filming TV. I love behind the scenes. I like watching it all come together. I like putting together the episodes the year ahead of time and thinking about it. Um, And I just started my own television show called Julia at Home. It's on Pluto TV. Um, I'm finishing season four right now. And I'm cooking in my house. Uh, My husband is doing the dishes and prep in the basement. (laughs) My dear friend um, is next to me off camera making sure I have what I need. My daughter, who's 14, is the PA. Uh, She gets paid in Legos. But she told me when she's 15, according to Massachusetts state law, she can finally get a paycheck. She looked it up. (laughs) And so it's real home. my dogs on camera and so and what I do is I highlight the food from the cookbooks which is Bridget said earlier I headed up the cookbook department for many years and there are some real gems that don't get the TV focus and so I love going into the cookbooks pulling out these recipes and showing how they fit into sort of a home lifestyle
0: oh my gosh that's an incredible you go so deep into this world of cooking both of you I just love that so Do you find yourselves, when you're eating, whether it's after hours or throughout the day, are you counting calories? Do you count fat grams? Do you count macros? Do you look at sugar? Does that come into play at all?
1: What about you, Bridget? Yeah, it's so annoying. Yeah, it is kind of annoying. Well, Uh. I mean, only if someone's looking. (laughs) Then then I'll count. Um, I, I try not to. I just try to eat healthy. I do watch... I watch a lot of food go down my gullet, but uh, I I do watch uh, I try to watch my carbohydrates as I'm getting older. That seems to be the thing that's my little hiccup. Um, and um, there are zero carbohydrates in cheese. <laughs> 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 but I think it's something that as we uh, as we get a little older, we're we're just more aware of. Mm-hmm. But yeah. moving is a great way to, to offset.
2: Yes, the calorie intake. Did I ever mention pickleball? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, that has come
1: up yeah. <laughs> I need all the help I can get
2: I'm, I need to know what I'm eating and I there is a log I keep in the back of my head. I don't necessarily adhere to it, but I, I do. Get, there's a ticker in the back of my head, yeah. knowing where I go off, mm-hmm. which is most of the time. <laughs> um, and the older I get, the more important it is that I pay attention to that yeah. ticker. Um, I just turned fifty, and I just uh, it hit me, and now lipstick's on my teeth all the time. I didn't. No one warned me that happens when you turn fifty. The old lady lipstick
0: tooth. What is thing? that? I Why don't does know. That happen? It was like, oh, happy
2: birthday. Now you have lipstick on your teeth. (laughs) And um, yeah, I have to really pay attention to what, what, what I eat because it shows up instantly um so mm-hmm. yeah i do mm-hmm. um i my big key thing is i try to just eat as many vegetables as i can good for you and if, if that's my goal as many leafy green vegetables and the more i can put those into my day that's my goal for this year anyway mm-hmm. um, that's a smart
0: goal yeah yes goal. And, you know we talked to about the way foods the, the quality of our foods today what is grown you know the farm to table the gmos monitoring that kind of thing organics Grass-fed uh, farms, or those things—you know, whether it's aquaponics, it's greenhouses. Oh. What? Tell us more about how you kind of assess that in your recipes. Mm-hmm. Do you incorporate that? How do you feel about where we are with food today?
2: Yeah, you know, according the ATK sort of tagline is, unless it affects the flavor, the availability, or the ease of cooking, um, we're probably not going to focus on it too much because it's just very political, it's very polarizing, and it doesn't tell you if a recipe is going to work or not. So our goal is to help teach people to cook. But in circles of course we have strong yep. opinions and the one thing that i'm struck with that i hear over and over from my younger cousins and their children are the environmental and sustainability issues and so i have young cousins who um they're they call themselves convenient vegans and i said what is that and they said well we won't eat We won't buy beef, but if you make it for us, we'll eat it. And because they they don't want to contribute, but if it's done, it's done. And they're also really worried about cost. I know food costs are rising incredibly. Mm -hmm. Bridget, you mentioned they went up 18% this month. Yeah, I was just watching
1: the news right around here. Something like an 18% increase Mm -hmm. in food costs in the area. Mm Um, that's yeah. enough that that can change how you eat and what you cook at home. And you do, you do have to, if, if you have this knowledge, if you have recipes that will work, you can, you can also kind of watch for foods that are maybe coming up, Thanksgiving's mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. up, maybe buy that turkey when it's at a special price. Mm-hmm. Uh, look for the ingredients that you're going to be cooking. Plan. Our grandmother's planned food. Yes. My grandmother used to keep a journal, mm-hmm. and she would plan the whole week out mm-hmm. so that she wasn't running back to the supermarket every couple of days. And I think that is just a it's and it's more environmentally sound. You're mm-hmm. using less gas to get to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I think that might might be uh, we're getting a little bit of a wake up call, um, yes. and it's going to change how we cook, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully we'll appreciate food a little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm. The other thing I see is portion sizes are becoming becoming more accurate. Right, uh, I think over oversized portions are out are becoming out of fashion thank goodness I mean it's one thing if you go out to dinner and you think you're going to eat that the next day for lunch and maybe for dinner but portion sizes have gotten insane and you know a proper portion size right you're eating less you're eating more healthfully you're um, consuming less it's more environmentally sound and so yeah that's the other
0: aspect I, I really I hope becomes more popular well, I have heard a rumor that you do chocolate testing. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about that. And what what is it about chocolate that makes us so addicted? And I'm speaking pretty much to someone who uh, <laughs> who's in the room right now, whose name is Christy.
2: Yeah, you're, I'm just <laughs> talking about chocolate. You, you're just thinking about it.
1: The smile got a little bigger oh, on your face. Oh,
0: my yeah. goodness, I've been busted. <laughs> yeah, so I know you do a fair amount of that. So talk to us a little more about sort of the... I don't know what what is it we're looking for when it comes to chocolates especially as we're cooking
2: yeah well chocolate really in a dark chocolate there's only three ingredients right there's cocoa solids there's cocoa butter and those both come from the cocoa bean they they process they grind it separate it and then they put it back with sugar in an emulsion um and it's tempered the temper is you know those ingredients can come together in in seven different uh, crystalline forms and one makes a, a tempered chocolate uh so there's three ingredients the different flavors come from the amount of sugar, the amount of cocoa butter. Cocoa butter is expensive. The amount of cocoa solids, that's the percentage you see. The higher cocoa solids, the darker the chocolate, Mm -hmm. because there's less room for sugar. Um, Which is
0: why dark chocolate is healthier, question mark? Yes,
2: (laughs) actually a lot of research says dark chocolate is quite healthy uh, for your brain so i i think every time you eat chocolate you get
0: smarter oh well thank goodness that's exactly your what it is. cheese my chocolate i'm yeah. a genius <laughs> i mean we've got this and you're pickleball we're we gonna yes, do
1: exactly. it <laughs> well it does also chocolate has uh, all these neuroreceptors that are released in your brain ah. that like tell you that you're more confident you feel better tell me more so it's The, power pose it, of the food world. it kind oh, of is yeah i love that i love that i love that
0: Yes. Well, that's great. I love I love anything chocolate. It's kind of my comfort food. So I guess there's a reason that those of us are chocoholics, it mm-hmm. sounds like.
1: Listen to your heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks
0: for the permission. <laughs> so I am very sad to say that we've come to the end of this Business Life After Hours podcast, and I'm feeling a little bit hungry. I'm feeling a little bit motivated to get creative and tackle some new recipes in the kitchen. Thank you very much, Julia and Bridget. So we do what's called a little takeaway business after hours success nugget to leave our listeners with as it ties to our topic of building kitchen confidence Mm -hmm. so one quick tip and a little nugget that each of you can give our listeners to about cooking Yeah, sure oh good because about life in general i can't
2: (laughs) let's go figuring it out it is after hours though (laughs) so i guess we can go wherever
0: you want to go with this one
2: um two come to mind right away one is about knowing the temperature doneness of your food everything should be cooked to a certain doneness and Guessing the doneness is for amateurs. Knowing it is how you take your cooking from zero to 60. And you know it by an instant read thermometer. They don't have to be expensive. They just have to be accurate. Um, and knowing what things should register. Pork should be 145. Chicken breast should be 160. Dark meat should be 175. Salmon should be 140. Once you know those. And if you don't, it's fine. You can print out a little thing. Plug it on the inside of one of your cupboards. And uh, Medium rare is 125. Once you know that, your cooking will go, like I said, from zero to 60. You look... All of a sudden, you know what you're doing and you have more confidence. You're not going to overcook something because you're worried it's not done, mm-hmm. which I hear all the time. Do you do that every time you cook still? Absolutely. Or do you just know? You really do. Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. A lot of chefs do the finger test, yes. which I do, but I'm really bad at it. <sighs> I, you know, chefs, I, and I'm really impressed with people who are good at it. I'm terrible at the finger test. <laughs> okay. And so I just rely on my instant read thermometer. The other thing is if you're new to cooking, prep everything ahead of time and pretend you're in a cooking show. Have it all prepped and then just stand and dump stand and dump in the pot. Take your time, watch the food cook. You'll learn so much. It'll be much more relaxed and nothing will burn because you haven't got the next thing prepped.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to add to that one. Read the recipe a few times before you get started. Make sure you have all the, not only the ingredients prepped, but you have the right equipment for the job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's a question we'll get a lot of times as people say, well, I don't have this type of a piece of equipment. What else can I use? Uh, And then the other thing is never tell anyone what you are making (laughs) until you have finished making it. Mm -hmm. So if you're serving people dinner, don't tell them that you were making chicken and it comes out burnt. You can say... I made blackened chicken, and or I made (laughs) rustic bread. If you forgot to leave out the salt, a a, a Tuscan bread, or if something is kind of uh, not very attractive, it's rustic. It's very rustic. Oh, I love
2: the word rustic.
1: They actually, yeah, Yeah. rustic is a good hand. And have a good few restaurants on speed dial. Yeah, (laughs) I love exactly.
0: I'm getting a better vernacular just kind of hearing this. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, my takeaway nugget is that there's a little bit of a maybe a chef or at least a good cook in each of us, if we can take the time to explore these tools, to gain the knowledge that you offer to us, to experiment with food, and to embrace the creativity and all of the fun that's in the kitchen. That's what you've really made me realize today. And we need to align with America's Test Kitchen and the two of you. So if Business Life After Hours listeners would like more information on you and your work, Bridget Lancaster, Julia Collin-Davison, as well as America's Test Kitchen, where can they find it?
1: Well, we have americastestkitchen.com. You can find out more about all of our recipes and everything like that. But for myself, uh, my social media presence is a little bit stunted. But you can find me on Twitter, where I get quite snarky sometimes, at Real, Real B Lancaster. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm often found on
2: Instagram, and Julia Collin-Davison. And you can catch my own show, Julia, at home on Pluto
0: TV, which is free to download. And you can catch me at
1: your local cheese store.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Julia Collin-Davison, Bridget Lancaster from America's Test Kitchen. And thank you so much for opening our minds to a deeper and more confident kitchen experience. Great to have you on Business Life After Hours and such an honor to be with you both. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: Business Life After Hours is hosted and produced by Christy Kay. Audio engineering production and editing by Chris Pfeiffer. Be sure to join Christy for her award-winning television series, Business Life 360, the third Thursday of the month on WGTE HD or at WGTE.org slash B360. Business Life After Hours is a production of WGTE Public Media.